There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. Hire for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Assembly Required, the podcast where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am the host, Peaches. I'm not trying to trick you this week. So sorry. I had this realization that if last week was your first episode, I am just so sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i so sorry we bamboozled you like that. But listen, we're going to make it up to you because the gang is mostly here this week. We've got... The Sound Lord, the actual Sound Lord. It me. We've got Robbie, not Patron Bob, just, you know, original mix Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, go ahead. This is where you say your thing. Well, just I didn't know it. I had to say something high. I mean, you, you don't go. have to. And we do, we do have Danny again, but not as a original member of the squad, as a guest. So he's kind of, you know, role reversal. What's up, Danny? Uh, Patron if- Daniel. <laughs> I am Patron Daniel, yes. <laughs> If uh, if last week was your first episode, I am not sorry. Uh, you're welcome for being there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we had a great time. Uh, I hope that that you listeners had a great time too. We we were coming up with this idea in the group chat, and uh, I think we spent a lot of time giggling to ourselves about how devious we thought we were being. So yeah, <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as we did. Now, I kind of really badly ad-libbed at the end of last episode why the host schedule is the way it is. Um, And you will notice uh, probably that it is my voice and not Eduardo's voice. Eduardo and Bailey did have a child. They have had their baby. Congratulations to Bailey and Eduardo. Um, So I will be hosting primarily until Eduardo comes back. And uh, you're going to probably see a lot of rotation in the next few weeks. In fact, I just told you I would primarily be hosting, and next week I will not be here. So <laughs> there's there's a lot going on. You're going to hear a lot of, of familiar voices, but they're going to change each week. So it really is like an episode of What If. Yeah. So, Chris, I know you Hi. had some stuff you wanted to say about the last episode before we start, and I pitched the Patreon and all that stuff. Have at us. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed listening to that episode and editing it, and uh, I had fun putting together the alternate universe intro as well you know it's a good time so uh but yeah i I just wanted to say that i really enjoyed that first episode uh you know as a big captain america fan big peggy carter fan uh it was a lot of fun Uh, a couple things that actually came up uh or that i wanted to bring up from the uh that episode is that this isn't the first time we've seen captain carter i don't i don't think y'all mentioned that she made her debut a few years ago. I think 2016 it was, 15 or 16. 2016, because it was the 70th anniversary of Captain America. Uh, she was added as a character in Marvel Puzzle Quest, the mobile game. And then later on, uh, she debuted in the comics, I think in like 2018, in the comic Exiles, which is about an alternate uh, a team of different characters from different alternate universes in the Marvel multiverse, uh, including Wolvie, who's this little cartoon Wolverine from the X babies, uh, which is, which is great. <laughs> I was uh, an X baby. <laughs> we're all X babies. <laughs> yeah. Like, except for, uh, uh, the current baby that Eduardo Bailey have. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
fresh a future baby. a future ex baby. Yeah, it's a fresh baby. Um, yeah, but uh, but Captain Carter, the uh, the story is a little bit different. And that one, not only was Doctor Erskine killed, but Steve was killed as well. So she took the serum and became Captain America. And they did call her Captain America. Uh, she said that was Howard's idea, and her sidekick was Becky Barnes. So you know things are a little bit different. Uh, but also, I, and I've mentioned this comic before, Bullet Points, which is not, which is a what if comic in everything but name, uh, but it's an alternate universe Marvel series, and that is where the idea of oh no, Steve couldn't get the serum, so he became Iron Man in World War II. That's where that comes from. Uh, so they pulled a few different ideas uh, from uh, from the comics and and other things for the episode. And I thought it was really fun how they kind of mashed it together with the movie. Um, I think. Oh, and one more thing, agents. I, I want to give a shout out to the Agents of Shield, where uh, they. I hope you're listening, Agents of Shield. The way I face that. <laughs> All shout of out you to agents. my guys. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Mingna. Um, <laughs> so uh, on Agents of Shield, they revealed that Hydra's origins go back like hundreds of years, where they were like this cult that worshipped an ancient space being called Hive, who was made up of a bunch of tentacles. Uh, so I don't know if that's what they were going for with this champion of Hydra, but it was kind of neat. Uh, I, I made the connection in my brain, so that's what I wanted to go with. The, the twisted but, mind of the Sound Lord. Yes, yes. So <laughs> what I'm learning here is not only was last week a what if the AR squad were completely different. It was also what if Peaches totally forgot to put the list of things that Sound Lord secretly prepared in the group chat in the notes to read at the beginning of the episode. Perhaps. I feel bad. I'm so That's sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. I did send that a bulleted list. Like, here's some things I want to make sure you guys talk about. As you were you saying those, right when you said Marvel Puzzle Quest, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I, so, wasn't call, I wasn't calling you out. I know. <laughs> I misunderstood. Sounds like a call out. I misunderstood, and I thought those were the things that uh, Lady Sound was going to discuss. Oh yeah. Okay, she'll be ready. We'll just we'll just knock it over to her. And so there was like this one line in the notes. Uh, Angela's going to talk about this, and then then we we before the episode brought it up, she goes, "What?" And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> delete it." Well, that <laughs> yes. line was here's, here's where you can call gonna, me out. Um, it was she was going to talk about um, the the. Howling Commandos. Yeah, Howling right. Commandos. Who we've right. never explained. <laughs> right. Never will. Listen, hold on. Someday, someday listener Lindsay will listen to this episode. Talk about the Howling Commandos real quick. You um, have 30 and, seconds. Okay, so uh, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos was a comic that was, I think it was, was it set during World War II or was it a little bit later? Um, I thought it was, it was right after World War II. But yeah, it was know. after World War II uh, and include characters like Dum Dum Dugan, who we have seen in the MCU, mm-hmm. uh, including in this last episode. But they were Nick Fury's team in the comics, and they were repurposed as Captain America's team in the MCU. So there's your Howling Commandos backstory. Oh, and also the uh, a more recent iteration of the Howling Commandos, Dum Dum Dugan is an LMD, and also Werewolf by Night is on it, so they actually are Howling Commandos. Yeah. <laughs> they don't wear underwear, and they howl at the moon. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, I was supposed to prepare that for the episode, and I did not. I did not prep Angela on the fact that I was supposed to do that, so that's where I failed. So we're even, Peaches. It's fine. Well, hey, that's okay. I mean, 
I don't have a good segue. I'm not as yeah. good at, at segues as, as Eduardo is. So let me back up for he a second. He is speaking good at segues. Of, speaking yeah. of not wearing underwear and howling at the moon, we really appreciate you supporting this podcast by listening to it. But if you want to take that support to the next level, like patron Daniel has, you can find us at patreon.com slash assembly required. What does that have to do with not wearing underwear? I don't know. That's just what I decided to say. So find us there. We would appreciate you. Uh, just a, a little bit more. And you can join us in Discord. We've got a game night coming up. In fact, actually, let me plug this real quick because uh, this is a recent addition to the Discord as of yesterday. It's not in the notes. This is also my fault. Next community night, community night number five. We're going to play board games again. Uh, BoardGameArena.com. <laughs> it's all about family. Uh <laughs> BoardGameArena.com. Again, if you're part of the Discord, you can join us there. It's going to be on August 31st. That's a Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. Feel free to make an account on BoardGameArena in advance. Um, that way, there's less waiting. We're just going to start at 7, and you can join in whenever. There's plenty of games on there. Um, so if you show up and we're playing one, it will be moments before we finish and play the next one. I really had a fun time at the last board game night. I don't know about you guys. It was, it was a real good time. So much. To yeah, do it that. was actually really fun. And I really liked the, um, the Jackbox night was also fun. Um, yeah. so we've done fun things. Patron Dan, Daniel just holding out on us. Hey, I've been hang to, out with us. I went to the Jackbox one. That's I true. Know. That is true. All right, let's get into this thing today. We're going to talk about what if, Episode two, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord, which was written by Matthew Chauncey and directed by Brian Andrews. I see the, the name Chauncey and I immediately think of Principal O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy? Uh, O'Shaughnessy, yeah. <laughs> A-A-Ron. Um, also, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to correct you. I mean, I guess technically I am, but not because Do I it. think you're wrong. I believe the title was What If T'Challa Were a star lord yes which i right. thought was a weird Ooh. yeah choice put it in the okay. notes right peaches put it in the notes right uh, yeah then sound lord won't have to correct you i'm, I'm pretty like, I, I, I thought danny does the notes or is that the other universe am i, uh, am I getting my universes mixed here uh, what you guys don't know is i'm like the guy with the bass drum on his back and strings attached to his feet playing a guitar <laughs> and a harmonica at the uh, same time yeah i'm thinking of the ultimate assembler card universe that's <laughs> yes <laughs> All right, so we're going to start this episode off with the Watcher again, except this time he is introducing us to a slightly different alternate reality, um, taking us back to Star-Lord's infiltration of the Temple uh, of the Power Stone on Morag. It's Instead of starting with something we already know um, and seeing the small tweak, we're starting with part of the tweak, and then later we'll go back to the thing that we maybe know a little bit of. So... Star-Lord, T'Challa, is there, and Korath and the Sakaran force arrive to take the stone from Star-Lord. I'm going to go back and forth probably all episodes saying Star-Lord and T'Challa. I am so sorry. Yeah, um, you are, because that's how I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> when Star-Lord takes off the helmet and introduces himself, we see that in this timeline, they are the same person. Star-Lord is T'Challa. Uh, unlike in our the intro to Guardians of the Galaxy... Korath immediately recognizes Star-Lord, uh, which I thought was a fun change. That was really... what a, yes. That was a great twist right there. Star-Lord! It may have stopped <laughs> being he, fun eventually, but it was fun in that moment. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. He and and Korath gets a little starstruck. Uh, he gets a little fanboy e. Star Lord struck. He asks. <laughs> he even asks to join the Ravagers, which is just super ultra fanboy. Uh, the Kree still try to take the Power Stone from T'Challa, but eventually they are subdued very easily. Um, and he feels bad and, and picks Korath up and takes him out. Decides I've recruited worse. Why not? Outside, he gets cornered by the Sakarans, and Yandu arrives, rescuing him with his arrow. I really like that scene too. I like that that one was similar to the movie. Yes. Um, yeah. And the two are seen together having a, a happy relationship. And you know, we kind of get that with Star Lord too, but it's not the same kind of happy. This is like a. It feels like a healthy, happy relationship. Yeah. Um, he's he's I, a good daddy. And, <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna turn some people on over here, uh, <laughs> uh, and they talk about. I assume I usually do. <sighs> uh, and my brother's putting the podcast. Can we take a ten minute break, real quick? So sorry. <laughs> uh, and they they talk about using the power stone to save a dying star system instead of just you know shenanigans with it. Now, Chris, we already have some awesome music happening in this episode. We're in the intro to the intro, and the music's already popping. So yeah, the music of this was great. And actually, uh, um, patron Ryan uh, <laughs> called me out on this. He, he tagged me. He's like, hey, Soundlord, what would you think of the music? And I was like, I just put that in my notes. We're recording an episode soon. Uh, so yeah, there's, uh, there's the proof. But yeah, the music in this episode was a lot of fun. And I, I said a while back in some group chat, I don't know if it was one that Danny was probably in it. I don't remember if I said it in our squad up chat or a different one or whatever, but... Uh, I said a while back that I really hoped that we were going to get some theme song mashups as we, uh, and I think one of the ones I said was I'd love to hear the Guardians theme uh, in the style of the Black Panther score. And we basically got that. We got some cool mashups of like the Guardians theme, but with the Wakanda drums. Uh, You know, I I mean, I got chills when uh, he walks by the Wakandan spaceship and the drums, the do-do-do, you know, and... Hearing that mixed in with uh, with the Guardians theme, which is one of the great MCU themes, in my opinion, it was. Is it? I I want more of this. I want a lot of this through. I don't know what other kind of stories we're going to be getting. This might be the most mashup we get from any of the what if stories. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see many other instances of one character becoming a version of another character like we did in this. You know, swapping out one character from one movie into another one. But if we do, I want I want more music like this. I thought they did a really mm-hmm. great, really, really fun job with it. Yeah. The one that got me. So, okay. So you mentioned the, the Black Panther drums, and I really liked how them using it when they were escaping. But the one that really got me was the, the slow, epic version of the Guardians theme when Yondu shows up to, to rescue him at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, Laura Carpman, by the way, is the composer. I want cool. to make sure I got her name out you there. You search way faster than I do, so that's great. Yeah. I was heading in there. Yeah, I don't have anything to add there. I, I, My biggest takeaway was also that moment when he passed in front of the ship. And it was just, it was really cool to hear those, those two different sounds mm-hmm. kind of clashing and working well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we hear Thanos' theme at all? I don't think so. I didn't And maybe it's notice. too sinister to work in this episode, but it would have been nice. I would yeah. assume for the purpose of 
what they did with him, it, yeah, it wouldn't have made sense to use his theme because we might have associated that with, oh, he's still a jerk. It's the I jerk mean, some song. of us maybe yeah. did. The jerk song <laughs> played, and it's running out of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, great, great music in this episode. I mean, it's no Natalie Holt, but, you know, nothing, nothing really is. So That's true. So for context... We're now going to get taken back to T'Challa's oh, childhood. Sorry, nope, I just want to. I lied. Oh, just real quick, Laura Cartman compo- was the composer for Love Cap- Lovecraft Country, tying it back to Loki with uh, um, Kang and B fifteen. Yeah. Never mind, I'm the worst. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was all. I, I interrupted you like a jerk. No, no, that's I'm back, baby. That's what you're supposed to do to the person doing the thing I'm doing. It's it's that's the true. law. Yeah, them's <laughs> the rules. All right, so we're going to get taken back to T'Challa's childhood where he is just, he's stir-crazy. He wants to leave the bubble. He passes through the force field and gets abducted by Kraglin and Taserface. Taserface being a part of the crew also made me, I was going to say laugh. That would have been a lie. It made me happy. <laughs> yeah, it was really entertaining. And it was entertaining seeing him not, A, not the villain, B, kind of comic relief. I do kind of wonder if Taserface was actually part of the crew at that point, but that's just me nitpick. I should not be taking this too seriously. It was cool to see. Well, and we have to remember too, that this is not the guardians of the galaxy crew. This is the right. Ravagers crew. So right. it's, it makes sense in this. I have to assume that like Bradley Whitford, he was just off screen for all the first <laughs> movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the moment too, that we get the reveal of the variation in the timeline, right? So right at the beginning of the Peggy Carter episode, we, you know, we get that, that, that devious little smile, that flirty little interaction that changes the course of history, perhaps. And now we're getting that after, you know, the initial Guardian scene. So it's revealed that instead of Yondu abducting Peter Quill himself, he delegated that responsibility to his crew. And they totally missed the mark. They picked up T'Challa instead of Peter Quill uh, because he also had two eye holes and two ear holes and one mouth hole. So... You know, everybody with that matching set of metrics is the same. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, explanation <laughs> that they went to like, oh, there's cosmic energy here. So it must be this must be the Celestials kid. No, it's just because the meteor landed there. However many years, you know, millions of years ago. Yep. That's what I was just getting into, too. I mean, it's oh, I'm an, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not mad. It's like a uh, I'm going to say understandable. Like I would make this mistake. It's an understandable mistake. Though. <laughs> right. I mean, who among us hasn't gone and abducted the wrong child just right. because of some false readings. <laughs> that was not serious listeners. Uh, FBI <laughs> for legal reasons. That was a joke. T'Challa <laughs> is immediately excited to explore. Yeah. He, ta- he handles it really well too. Yeah. He's like, yeah. what's up new yeah. friends. In, in the MCU, T'Challa, his father dying, is life-ruining. Here, T'Challa gets abducted, and it's like, Dad? What dad? There's planets. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> well, this is what he was like before his dad died, apparently. Yeah. T'Challa was always yeah, a fun clearly. guy. He was just trying to get out of there. And, you he's know, I think you do actually do see some of that in Black Panther as well, as he's, you know, coming to terms with his new role as king and all that. You know, we see him, you know, crack a few jokes and... You know, have some have some light hormones, but it was really fun to see a lighthearted version of T'Challa here. Well, yes. 
Well, this is what I actually was going to mention. Um, I read that apparently Chadwick Boseman wanted to kind of incorporate some of this into Black Panther 2, uh, like some of these aspects of of T'Challa. And uh, just, oh, God. Am I going to cry during this you? episode? <laughs> I just, you know, it, it oh, just... Oh, God. Appar- it's really... I, I, oh, go ahead. It's just really, I mean, obviously everything else but it's, it's really cool just to see like how much he really like cared about t'challa and the series and everything and how he was like always looking for uh ways to approach it and how like he committed himself like to this animated series which you know some people may not consider to be you know something you know some people may have phoned in their performances uh but he certainly did not yeah perhaps literally um so it's it's just even more you know sadness i i I did read an interview with the director or the writer or someone but they they said that when chadwick boseman read the script he was very excited to explore this different take on the character and see what he could bring to it and what what a gift that we got this episode you know yeah (laughs) Yeah, like I, I think it kind of goes without saying that uh, for a lot of people, this is going to be an emotional episode. Uh, so sorry if we trigger some tears here and there. We know that this is very likely Chadwick's last gift to us in the MCU, and uh, it definitely had those moments all scattered all throughout. For you guys, for me, I don't know. I assume yeah. oh, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And patron Daniel just made it even more emotional. Yeah. Hey, we were getting there anyway. Don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. <laughs> messenger patron, Daniel. <laughs> Just keep throwing on titles. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like Daenerys. Uh, <laughs> oh, back in the present, Korath joins with T'Challa's Ravagers, asks them for their most famous stories, including how they stopped Thanos from wiping out half the universe. And in a fun reveal, the Mad Titan just appears, says he's a big enough man to admit when he's wrong, and T'Challa showed him the error of his ways. <clears throat> I'm, yeah, I'm trying to hold it back for just a <laughs> He gave up his life's work to become a Ravenger. I'm laughing my ass off writing this nonsense. Yes, I'm going to read that. Thank you, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> even, he even quotes, and, and he's joking. Uh, he's joking. You see the smirk that they drew on him, that there's more than one way to reallocate the universe's resources. Although I assert my plan was not without its merits. I'm pretty sure it's efficient. I, okay. I'm sorry. I just said literally three minutes ago that this is an episode that brought some tears and some sentimental qualities and that sort of thing. I got to say, though, I have to be the downer part of this episode because I think everybody else mostly has good things to say. I watched this episode right away um, at like, well, not right away. It wasn't 3 a.m., but it was like 8 a.m. on Wednesday. And I just I was like the only it seemed like I was the only one in our group that felt kind of mixed about it. Um, Everybody else was raving about it. I just felt neutral. I watched it again today right before we started recording. And I thought I would feel different. I was hoping it would have that Ragnarok feel for me where I like wasn't sure the first time. And I was like, oh, this is actually really fun the second time. And it was fun, but certain things about it stood out to me that I cannot get past. And this Thanos is one of them. I think it, it 
the episode in general, it was awesome to see all of these positive ripple effects that T'Challa just created in the universe by being who he is as Star-Lord. I won't go too much into that because I know we're going to hit on that later. It was cool to see that. I don't find it believable for Thanos. Everyone else, totally fine, believable. Maybe it's because they're minor characters in the greater scheme of the universe. But for Thanos, I don't I don't find it believable. And I know that it is an animated show about a space Robin Hood. And I'm telling you that the most unrealistic thing to me is that Thanos would have a change of heart. But I just don't... Like, do we think that Thanos, in our normal timeline of the MCU, with a gauntlet that can do anything, wouldn't have thought... I could just double the world's resources. That argument that everybody on the internet says all the time that Thanos could just do instead of wiping out half of the universe. Do you think he would have had that thought and said, I can just snap everybody into a mansion with unlimited food on their own planet or a planet with other people if they're not introverts. I could just snap the perfect reality in for everybody and no one would be sad or hungry or lonely. Do you think he didn't think about that shit? No, he didn't think about it because at his core... I'm sorry, I'm getting heated. At his core, one thing that we took away from all the different times we've talked about Thanos is that he is not a good person. He is he is a bad person underneath all of the things that the Thanos is right people. That's not wrong. Or that's not right. I'm sorry. He is not he was not right. He's not a good person. He if he would have had that thought organically, he would have had it. He wouldn't have need needed T'Challa to guide him toward that. And the fact that he spends half of the dialogue in this show joking about how it would have been efficient to snap half the universe away, to me says he hasn't really stopped thinking about that. He still has that on his mind, that it could be a solution and it would be a fine, morally just solution. Yeah, he he smirks when he says it the first time, but he brings it up again at the family reunion. Like... (laughs) He's bringing it up an awful lot for it to be something he jokes about. And I just don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't, Thanos being in this episode was cool. Thanos having a change of heart from a conversation. I don't believe it. And I'm going to go on in a second, but I want to hear y'all's rebuttal to this. I don't have a rebuttal because I agree with you. It's that I don't care. That's it. That's all. That's all there is to it. Like, yeah. I don't disagree with a single word you said. Absolutely. It does not fit the MCU Thanos. I mean, it's not... It is clearly the MCU Thanos in that I recognize the character. You are right. His motivations wouldn't just snap like that because of a heart-to-heart with Black Panther. But... Mm, pun not intended. Intend your puns, coward. But the thing is, <laughs> I guess I... For me, it was just a ridiculous cartoon where he's joking about genocide. It's... Didn't bother me because it is so ridiculous. Like As one does. <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's all there is to it to me. I don't have a rebuttal because I don't disagree with your points. It The disagreement lies in the... In my core, I don't care because it's a funny cartoon. I'll rebut a little bit. Okay. And uh, my only real rebuttal is that we don't necessarily have enough information we don't know when in Thanos's life T'Challa right, met it's up a plot with him hole. and stopped him. It's not a uh, <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Uh, <laughs> clearly, it's before he got all the stones because the he, uh, because we see Star Lord get the Power Stone uh, at the start of this episode. So 
Thanos never got far enough in his plans to actually create the Infinity Gauntlet and gather all the stones and put his plan into action. He was probably out looking for the stones, but T'Challa got wind of it and stopped it. We didn't see this conversation. It could be one of those things where they say conversation, but it was a little bit more than just a, hey, you shouldn't do this. Wow, T'Challa, you're right. I've seen the error of my ways. (laughs) I, I assume that there was probably more to it than that. That's a story that I wish we could see, and I think we probably never will, and it's probably better that we don't. Um, also, the fact that he keeps joking about it, I think is supposed to make us think that he is just one bad day away from going back to his old ways. That's and... a DC reference that's not allowed in this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know... I, I... Wow. I, as I was saying it, I'm like, oh, I'm going with the killing joke here, but that's uh, not not what I was. Can you imagine if Joker met Thanos? Oh. How twisted would that be? Oh gosh, that would be See, the, the opposite. The chilling thing about Joker is he's a man who thinks that crime is funny. It's like a joke to him. Ugh. Oh, can you imagine such a thing? Uh, no. <laughs> but um, uh, no, but yeah, the the fact that he's always like, well, I think it'd be efficient. First of all, this is what happens when you prioritize efficiency over safety. And, and okay, over, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but um, I, I, I think that we're, we're supposed to be like the only thing that's keeping him in line is T'Challa. <laughs> you know, if T'Challa something happened to him, it feels like Thanos would regress right back into his old ways. So I don't think we're supposed to think of him as fully reformed. I think he has moments of reformed uh, because I do think that even MCU Thanos, who I agree is a horrible person, was wrong. Um, I do think that there were some genuine things to him. And I think that T'Challa was able to appeal to what little better nature he had and keep him in line. But I I don't buy that he's completely reformed. I, I think it's fun for this episode, but... You know, maybe if we get a sequel to this episode, as they kind of hinted at the end, whether this season or, or maybe next season, you know, maybe we'll see some of the implications of that. So, so it worked for me for this episode. So, so what I, my thoughts, uh, I, I was also thinking along the lines of maybe uh, T'Challa met Thanos earlier on in his planning of uh, how to save the universe in his eyes. Um, and, the whole continuing to joke about his plans and stuff. You ever had or done like done something and it just becomes a running joke and like you can't live it down and like you just embrace it. And now you start joking about it. That's what it is. He's just Most like, yeah, I'm the genocide guy. <laughs> That's me. Crazy old <laughs> Thanos. That's all. It is. He's always good for a laugh. <laughs> I, I think I would agree with you if he didn't meet a stranger in Wakanda in a and start <laughs> talking about it to her. Wait, you've never done like inside jokes in front of strangers just for the benefit of yourself and your friend that's there. That's I mean, pretty much this entire podcast. Uh huh. Yes, but not in front of a Are you, are you kidding me? She would absolutely just murder you. Yeah. Dennis doesn't know that. <laughs> also, he's a big boy. So I don't know. Maybe he feels secure. Hey, and, patron and they, Bob, yeah. you're muted. Maybe Thanos. Yeah, maybe and then I unmuted, and then I muted it again boy. like an idiot. All I said is I had a job for years where basically what I did was inside jokes for the benefit of the one person that got it. Fair it enough. Was an in- 
job. <laughs> okay. I don't want to explain it any further. While I'm on, <laughs> while I'm on this, um, just like saying the things I couldn't get past because you're right. Like whether or not I believe it, that's what happened in the episode. So I was trying to just move, move my head past. Yes, this doesn't seem reasonable to me, but it happened. So just enjoy the damn episode. But the other thing that I couldn't get past. Here's a segue for you. When he's talking about uh, snapping and, you know, wiping out half of the universe, Korath has this interaction with him where he says the word decimate and then says decimate 50% of the population. And I just felt like the writing could have, the writing team could have seen that and and not use the reduced by 10% to mean 50%. Unless he meant, I want to decimate 50%, which is... Does percentage? Okay, I was about to say, is that five percent? That's five percent, right? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, my actual problem is with you Korath. can snap five five percent of the population as a treat, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just see how that goes, and you know, just snap some more five percent at a time until we get. Maybe to that's <laughs> what T'Challa reasoned with him. Like, how about just five percent? Can I? Can we reason with five percent? No, it's, my other problem was actually with Korath. I thought that his fanboy act in the very first scene was pretty funny. Um, it, cause, because it set up that T'Challa was a, an infamous, but mostly famous level of infamy, right? Like people knew him in a good way. Um, and so he, him fanboying in the beginning was cool because it was like, oh, people like and respect this star Lord. They actually know who he is. But then as Smash Mouth once said, the hits start coming and they don't stop 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 coming and they he just kept going on like his whole dialogue in the whole episode was just him fanboying over and over and i think to make matters worse for me was not just that his whole personality was drooling over star lord it was that he had a lot of talking time in the episode a lot of the dialogue in the episode was Korath. I wouldn't put him in the top three if you percentage of voice lines, but I he's might. probably in the top five. I, I he might be in the top three. I, I'm not gonna go back and 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 record to find out, but it was just a beatdown of the same joke, and it it got mm-hmm. to me. Every it turned out it turned from that was funny to every time he's talking, I'm just, can we move on? Can we get to the next scene? Please. I don't want to hear him talk anymore. Um, and so those are the things I'm, I'm trying to get past those things. Um, and I'll, you know, say how I feel about the whole episode at the end, but they, they stood out to me a lot. Um, did you guys feel weird about Korath or am I? Oh, absolutely. I have it in my notes. It was almost something I wanted to bring up on this episode. Um, one of my big takeaways was how weird Korath is. And it, it so, okay, I just made the argument a moment ago that Thanos feels like Thanos, just they did it a little bit cartoony. He's not, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't buy this if the MCU Thanos made this change, but I still feel like I am watching just a slightly cartoony version of that character. This does not feel like Korath. This feels like an original character who was modeled off of Korath. Um, in the first moment, Kind of like you said, in the first moment, it feels like I just said Thanos is. And then he becomes, there's two problems. And you kind of said, oh, both of them. One, this doesn't feel like Korath. Two, 
he's also annoying, even whether it's Korath or not. He could he could have been an original character, and I would have hated him for exactly <laughs> what you're saying. It's, it's just it was the same joke over and over again. It was completely unnecessary. They were clearly using him to be, um, you know, a, an exposition creator, uh, but just in a weird way that was unpleasant. I yeah, what a I I don't dislike this episode, but I dislike this aspect of this episode. It was, I'm glad you said it. Cause I, I just weird. And also why Korath, why of all the characters that we decided that we're going to make weird, was it Korath? I just, I, that's not a complaint. That's just a question. Like, why is that what we went through? I mean, I get why they did it with the first scene. It's just, yes, correct. they probably mm-hmm. could have dialed it back a little bit through mm-hmm. the rest of the episode. and It would have been mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the first have, scene wasn't a problem. It was the they rest. could have kept the joke going just instead of having it at 11, down to a 7. Yeah, the, the Star-Lord, that moment, is fantastic. Yeah. And it peaked there. And then, like, like that was the jump the shark, was the, the Star-Lord. And then, then from there, the show was all about Fonzie for some reason. The one that got me was when he looks at the camera, smiles, and says, Captain Genocide! <laughs> and then, then he throws... That was the moment... The, so this note, this note that I just showed on camera where I wrote Korath That boy weird. ain't right. I wrote that note as he's flying through the air with a smile Captain Genocide! Because yeah. yeah, you, you get this character? Thanos <laughs> smiling with his fist in the air. He's like, call me Captain Genocide one more time. Now, I only ever see it written. So is anyone able to pronounce Korath's actor's name out loud? Because I don't uh, want to embarrass myself. I believe it's Jimon Honsu. Okay, that's how I would have said it. I, I think I have heard it out loud now that you said yeah. it. I think he was having fun. More power. Oh, yeah, him, yeah. But definitely. I was not having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't really put any of the blame on him. I feel like they were they were very much directing him to go big and be broad, which was probably yeah. yeah this is what because, would do because <laughs> in the in the two um, in the two movies that we've seen him in, uh, he's very much the opposite of that. Uh, so yeah, it makes me want to see Jiman Hinsu in do some comedy, and I don't know if he has. I've just missed it, but like it makes me want to see that. Just not as Korath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. I don't. I don't have any other like big qualms with the episode. So uh, I'm glad we had some agreements. Um, maybe I'll move past it. Maybe it'll be one of those things that I watch this episode sometime down the line and I get over it. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. So back in the bar, we're gonna get we're gonna get derailed right away here because mm-hmm. there are just so many characters in this episode. The bartender is Drax who recognizes Star-Lord and is excited to thank him for saving his people, including his wife and kids, from the Kree. Why couldn't they get Batista for this three seconds yeah. of dialogue? It's weird. They didn't ask him. They didn't even ask him. Yeah, why? Uh, and Question. Okay, you mm-hmm. go. You go first. I, I was going to say the same thing I said in the group chat, but I think it's so weird that they got Kurt Russell for one line. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even bother asking Dave Batista, who was probably um, not as expensive as a lot of the other people. Yeah, let me tack got. on real quick before you go, Robbie, because I'm just going to mm-hmm. handle this now. I, I paused on the credits just to see like who was still the character that mm-hmm. they played. The other person that had barely a line of dialogue was Star was Peter Quill, 
-hmm. And that also could have maybe been Chris Pratt, but it wasn't. Chris Pratt, who has done plenty of voice acting. Right. Right. So <laughs> I done it well. My question was, so I, I will quickly say that's a, a very interesting point because I just assumed, and I'll talk about this more later, but I just assumed these were not the actors. And then I got to the end credits. I'm like, excuse me. Like we paused. I'm like, I wonder if any of the actual actors did the voices. I'm like, oh, all of the actual actors did the voices. Okay. Like 90%. Like, <laughs> Except for I think I think at least two, maybe three of the Black Order. I'm not was, sure about Corvus Glaive, but definitely the other two. Was the production of this episode in this season, did it overlap at all with when Dave Batista said he was out of the MCU because of the treatment? the treatment quote unquote of James Gunn. It's possible. Like I, I know it wasn't, this, about that. even if it wasn't produced at the exact same time, it may have caused enough of a gun. Well, no, no, you know, by, were hired and by the time they announced, what if though James Gunn had <laughs> been if, rehired. <laughs> so, okay. But that's by the time it's they the announced what if it. Title of what if, but I guess I'm just what asking if, is by the time they announced it still, was that the announcement we see maybe too late in the process for getting the guy's contract done and, and who's going to do the voice for this. And that's, I don't, I don't know. It's possible. The entire works of how things are created. Yeah. Or, or, and you said they didn't even ask him or he yeah. declined. Well, he said that okay. he wasn't asked because someone tweeted him and said, how come you didn't do what if? And he goes, let's start with, they didn't ask me. Right. And James Gunn tweeted him. What the hell? So <laughs> okay, um, that's funny. But what it could be, and this is, they asked my brother, this, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, what it very well could be is, and this is how Hollywood works sometimes, is they reached out to the representatives. The representatives looked at the money and said, no, no thanks, right. and never told him. Because I'm sure that that happens a lot where the representatives will decide, I'm not going to even tell them about this one. There are two other thoughts I have on that that are kind of related. Mm -hmm. Another one is, I would hate to think this way. <laughs> But, You're so exhausted, Robbie. <laughs> oh, Chumby! No. Oh, I guess I'm just one. I, I guess I would be slightly worried if potentially that whole episode didn't doesn't mean that they're gonna not want anything to do with him for Guardians movies, but maybe they didn't want to bother with bringing him on for a scene in a cartoon. Yeah, it's possible. Um, also, the last possibility is one time I was trying to get to there's a long story as to why but i was trying to get to a paramedic call to assist in the paramedic call and dave batista was standing in my way and i was in a hurry and so i yelled at him to get out of my way not realizing it was dave batista uh he turned around very angry like i was an insect who annoyed him um i didn't care that much i did have to get past him uh and i'm wondering if i pissed him off too much and he didn't want to be on this cartoon i liked <laughs> that's where i'm putting I my think, money i think we've cracked this yeah, yeah. That seems the most likely to me. Um, I just want to add on to that. So Variety uh, had a, an interview with Brad Winderbaum, who is, I guess, now like kind of overseeing the Marvel Studios animation projects. Hmm. Uh, and they asked him about Batista, Dave Batista. And um, he said, Winderbaum said, I saw that too referring to the tweet. It's my understanding that everybody was asked in some way, shape or form, either through their agents or directly. I don't know really what happened behind the scenes there, but certainly we would have loved for him to be in the show. So there's probably some miscommunication somewhere. Oh no, this is a Coolio weird owl thing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for the official word, I guess from, from Marvel studios is that they would have loved for him to be there. 
for whatever reason, he didn't hear about it. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the can truth we, is? Can we take a sidebar here? Oh, I've got another ex- sidebar. To explain, first. to explain to me and the listeners, but mostly the listeners, because I definitely know this, uh, what Amish and Gangster's Paradise beef there was. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. You go first, Soundlord, and then I got a follow-up. <laughs> so, so Weird Al Yankovic. Now, first of all, parody is uh, protected by uh, uh, fair use. It's considered fair use uh, for copyright. So technically, Weird Al Yankovic does not need to get permission from any of the artists that he parodies. That being said, he has always felt that, as a courtesy, he should get permission. And oftentimes, sort of like I was postulating earlier about Dave Batista, a lot of times they would go through representatives. Uh, so he heard from Coolio's reps. Yeah, he was fine with that. Well, then the song came out. Coolio heard it. Coolio did not know about this parody. He was not happy with this parody because Yankees' Paradise is a very personal song for him. And he would have preferred it not been parodied. And if Weird Al had known this, he would not have done that song. Uh, so for many years, there was kind of this unspoken beef between Weird Al and Coolio. I guess it was spoken. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, and Weird Al felt very bad about it. They have since made up. But since that time, Weird Al has always gone directly to the artists to get permission before he parodies them. There so have been that a couple of hiccups. I, yeah. yeah, that part but, I did know. I knew that it was fair and that he didn't worry about that that he always asked anyway so yeah weird al is also good al yes he is (laughs) um now one thing that very recently became interesting to me about the story i know it's not quite the same as parody but it rings a little hypocritical that gangster's paradise itself is a sample of a stevie wonder song which i only actually very recently realized but and and I mean a a very very heavy sample. Basically, the song just with new lyrics. Well, a fun it's... fact about that mm-hmm. is that he had to get permission from Stevie Wonder, and he actually had to, you know, he 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 like went out to Stevie Wonder and he did the thing where he didn't go through representatives. He directly spoke to Stevie Wonder, and one of his conditions, Stevie Wonder's conditions, was that he didn't want any profanity in the song, and that is why Gangsta's Paradise is one of the only Coolio songs. That does not have profanity, uh, because Stevie. That's Wonder... why they actually would have it on Nickelodeon when I was a kid. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they, you could play that uncensored because there's no profanity. And Coolio said that he thought that actually made it a stronger song in the long run. Um, you know, and that he thinks it's one of his better written songs because of the parameters that Stevie Wonder put on him before he would allow him to sample it. So, so yeah, I never actually thought about how there are two interesting sample <laughs> stories about right. that song. Yeah. Huh. Also did not know that until eh, a couple of years ago, because I had somehow, despite having heard a lot of Stevie Wonder in my life, in fact, I think even having listened to most of the album that song is on, never at any point heard that until one day I listened. And so if you have never listened to Pastime Paradise, go listen to it, because it's going to go, It this is not this is not an example of, yeah, that sounds kind of, he definitely took from that song. It's like, no, nah, it's it's Gangster's yeah. Paradise, just with a guy singing. The, yeah. the beat of the song and the hook are... Mm-hmm. The same, just different words. Well, guys I am s- not. Oh, go, go, oh, go. This is, uh, you guys see that rumor that Stevie Wonder can actually see? <laughs> yes, I have seen that. It was like a clip of him like catching a microphone that's falling and reacting to stuff. I don't know. I've watched it's out Devil. there. You probably just heard it. <laughs> that's um, true. Have you ever seen? This is my favorite. I think my favorite TikTok ever. 
the guy dressed as the plague doctor, like strutting to Gangster's Paradise. Mm. That's a good one. He's like strutting and he's like taking off the hat and doing this. He's like, been spending most of life. It's, I don't know. It's not funny when you describe it, but it's great to watch. <laughs> no, yeah, just visu- picture visually, it's really good. Great. Just yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, just I, picture... I'm begging you to. Imagine Whatever you this. think the Sound Lord looks like, just imagine him taking a Plague Doctor's mask on and off his face <laughs> while he marches around his room. <laughs> I am not sorry we went on this sidetrack. Uh, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Good stuff. So back in the bar, let's get back into this thing. Uh, Drax and T'Challa are interrupted by a beautiful blonde, not at all cybernetic version of Nebula who asks T'Challa to join her for a drink. And Robbie, you have written in your notes um, verbatim. I don't want to mess this up. Um, It says, I got pretty emo over Nebula. So (laughs) will you please elaborate while I sing, how could this happen to me? (laughs) How could this happen to me? I made my mistakes. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep going. We'll get DCMA'd. DMCA'd? Doesn't matter what order it's in. Digital Copyright Millennium one. Act. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, so I, I think it has become very known to anyone who's listened to this podcast that I love Nebula, uh, that I was a little bit just a tiny, tiny bit disappointed in Endgame that she didn't get to have her hero moment. Not okay, not hero moment, but her her she beats Thanos moment. Um, and part of that was we didn't get to see Nebula be whole again, and that made me a little sad that we never got to see Karen Gillan with blue skin being Nebula. <laughs> what? <laughs> so. <laughs> When what if was announced? Do you find something amusing about the phrase nebula hole? <laughs> no, no, nebula bee hole. Oh. This is the largest nebula hole I could afford. Podcast host who laughs at everyone all the time. Robbie, take it from Nebula Beehole. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> we surrender. We surrender. <laughs> Like, bring back the regular host from last week. <laughs> Don't invite that patron Bob on anymore. Anyway, now that the episode just sounded weird, we cut out a bunch of laughing. Um, oh, I'm not cutting that out. You're assuming a lot right now. <laughs> I was mildly disappointed that we never got to see um, uncybernetic Nebula in the movies. And when What If was announced, one of the few things I thought about is I want to see Nebula before before Thanos messed with her. Um, but I didn't actually think that was going to happen. And I was completely unprepared for it to come in this episode. And then just, it's there. 
and I actually got a little bit emotional about it. When you um, sent to the group chat, something I've always wanted just happened. I looked at Angela and said, I bet it's Nebula with hair. Yes. Yeah, that was correct. Yeah, I think in the group chat I said... Um, already then you said emo. something else. Yeah. Right. Boy, what was the something else? I don't know. I was going to ask you that. I My picturing was that... Oh! Your, your first thing was... It was Howard the Duck. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. I would have been wrong. No, what was your guess, though? My first guess was that Thanos was part of the group, and then Nebula. That was the that first was thing. Was, the first thing I said, I, I said something shocked I, that I was shocked about. Thanos. Okay, so that was Thanos. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But then, Soundlord is correct about what I always wanted, so I was embraced for it. I was really um, very emo for that. Uh, very excited to see it. I'm happy they gave it to me. Um, I, I can't believe this happened to me. Um, <laughs> That said, on a more serious note, that's kind of the theme of this episode. Um, Because really, and I I guess we'll talk about it here. um, I was also emo from the start of this episode. Because the first time Chadwick Boseman said a word was, uh, hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I had actually forgotten, I know we talked about it at some point, but I had forgotten he was on this episode. And... I remembered as soon as I heard his voice, like it was very clearly Chadwick Boseman and it was sad. Um, I mean, happy. I'm glad I got to hear another performance, kind of see, but experience another performance of Chadwick Boseman playing Black Panther um, was unprepared for also the ending of this episode, although I kind of knew it was coming. I, as the episode went on, I, I knew there was going to be an in-memory um, note yeah. at the end. But yeah, I, it wasn't... didn't take me out of the episode, but it this was a very emotional episode, both for giving me a character moment I've wanted um, and for hearing the voice of someone, you know, we have lost uh, betraying a character. And, and Danny has all already kind of added to why it was even sort of sadder than it feels at face value. He obviously did a great job. Um, we're going to talk some about the performances in this episode. He was a standout. He really seemed to enjoy what he was doing in this. He did a great job. Um, and it is not easy to do a good job of voice acting. And he, he pulled it off. Um, and not just playing Black Panther, but a different variation of Black Panther not Black Panther. Um, I, I don't know. It, it was it was great. And I, I guess I don't have much to say about it. I'm sure I the rest of you agree with me that we that it was an emotional thing to listen to Chadwick Boseman speaking as Chichala again. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know what else there is to say. Just I hope we've we're we're going to keep bringing it up, I think. Mm-hmm. It was just you know, I thought he did a, a great job. You know, we've talked about how some people are actors, some people are voice actors, and some people are both. I think he's one who can actually handle both, which is not a surprise. Um, because he was already such a thoughtful actor, I think. And it was just so impressive how it was recognizably the character. And, and, and this goes to the writing, too, I think, but, but even more so the performance that the character was recognizably T'Challa, even with the different circumstances of his life, which is the point of the episode, is the, the Watchers says at the beginning, you know, what do, 
does your nature change things or does the nature of your world change you? And we got to see how T'Challa was changed a little bit by uh, living out his a lot of his formative years as a Ravager, but seeing the ripple effects of how he changed the Ravagers and how he changed Thanos and Nebula and, and all these other characters. Uh, it's, it was, it was a really, really well done story. And, and he, again, he felt like T'Challa, even though he was Star Lord too. And I thought that was just a really great thing about this, about his performance and about the episode. Yes. Nebula asks T'Challa why he never went home. And T'Challa tells her uh, the story passed by Yondu, where he went back and found out Wakanda was destroyed. Very sad. Uh, not much to that. T'Challa now tries to save other worlds since he couldn't save his own. And Nebula says, oh, perfect. I have a job for you. <laughs> we also see in this universe that Nebula and Thanos acknowledge that they have a father-daughter uh, asterisk adopted relationship but they're not really on great terms. At one point, T'Challa even says that he is trying to get them counseling. <laughs> um, so good for him. Just keep bringing light everywhere. We get a cool scene where Nebula is briefing the Ravagers. Ravagers. The Registers. <laughs> Nebula, <laughs> Nebula briefs the Ravagers on the location of the Embers of Genesis, a material that can terraform dying planets, which T'Challa realizes could eradicate hunger. We get this cool um, kind of pre-planning a heist scene where she explains where the embers are. Uh, they're being held by the collector, Tanavir Tavan, on Nowhere. Uh, and in the middle of that, the Ravagers are, are very afraid because in this universe, the collector slid into the power vacuum that was left by Thanos changing and has become like the mob boss of this universe. Very scary collector with big bulging muscles and everybody's uh everybody's trinkets we saw yeah. a lot of different trinkets that he had he had mjolnir he had cap's shield mm -hmm. obviously he had um hella's helmet because yeah. he, he fights had, a lot with that i think he had meek's sword as well mm. are we to assume korg's hand that that's what i was just going to ask with that it was korg's hand it might not be but that's one way this universe is worse. Right. Mm -hmm. right. I, uh, I will take Thanos and the blip if we get to keep Korg. Right. All of this is scary, and Yondu insists that this mission is too dangerous. He says the Ravagers are out. And then immediately they have a private conversation, Yondu and T'Challa, um, in which T'Challa convinces Yondu to do the mission anyway. Uh, I do like the mentioning of Robin Hood, by Yondu because it Robin felt Leech. like a Mary yeah it felt like a Mary Poppins uh like parallel like it's gonna say kind of the right thing but not really close at all so yeah basically immediately is like ah fine we'll do the mission now Danny you wanted to comment on how this Star Lord is really great right we've seen that in this story and in this universe and basically everybody at this point uh thinks that so what does that mean about peter quill if this version of star lord is like the apex version well poor Even korath likes him <clears throat> poor peter quill is just a dumb bozo from missouri <laughs> uh so i think obviously this kind of shows their differences uh peter quill and t'challa t'challa you know being raised in wakanda uh as 
royalty. Um, obviously, you're that Missourians. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Missouri. You're no Wakanda, Missouri. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, show me, stay. Why don't you show me something good for once? Come on. Um, anyway, T'Challa, you know, uh, like I was saying, is royalty. He's obviously um, very diplomatic. Uh, and just as a as a person, you know, maybe somebody you want to strive to emulate more than Peter Quill. No offense to Peter Quill. I, I in many ways, I think we all are like Peter Quill. Um, just a normal guy in these extraordinary circumstances. Um, but yeah, making his way through the universe. <laughs> um, so, but gosh, really, look how much better. On, on the whole the universe is with the chala as star lord it's it's ridiculous like you get the ravagers they're all like they've gone straight as yondu says they've gone straight and now he's square um they're uh not i don't know they're they're doing good around the galaxy and uh it's a lot of people doing lo- well they, yes all 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 senses of the word um but so many lives uh, that Star-Lord has come into touch with um, are just much better than we see in the Prime MCU. Um, and then, you know, at the end, uh, I'll touch on this again when we get to that part of the episode. But uh, there's some ramifications here on uh, Peter Quill's end. Um, yeah, so clearly he's better. Um, and I think it's hilarious how much of a fuck up Peter Quill is like. He didn't convince Thanos. He punched him in the face and doomed half the universe. But, <laughs> but you said something in there that I think is interesting. Of look at how much better the universe is. It is. Is it? So okay, okay. Thanos isn't. Thanos is a good guy. But is the implication not that the Avengers are dead and the uh, Collector has their weapons? And then at the end of this episode, is the implication not that uh, who's going to stop Ego? He's just going to get his little battery sun, and that's that. Okay, um, so Earth is in a bad spot without T'Challa. Okay. But, okay, but, but on the whole, you know, I mean, I'm wasn't sure... just going to wipe out Earth. That's true. Uh, however, uh, I'm sure we'll have, we could have a sequel episode where uh, T'Challa talks to Ego and changes Possibly. his mind. Possibly. You might be right. You might be right. I just... Have you considered not destroying the universe? You know what, T'Challa? You're right. <laughs> Yeah, you may well be right. You know what old ego always says at a time like this? (laughs) Part of what I thought was interesting about this episode that did kind of, I think maybe purposefully, around the edges bring up that the the world around, you know, the world that Peter Quill was in, that part of the galaxy is, yeah, that's great. There's still, there, but there are some problems outside of that that are because of it. And I thought that was an, I think that's kind of the point of this. <laughs> it's kind of the point of this episode. I thought that was, or this series, I think. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Um, Peter Quill is a fuck up and T'Challa is not. <laughs> as simple as that. It makes, and both, both of their personalities make sense for the story they were in. And I think like a lot of people, you know, are going to, are going to feel like, oh, this Star-Lord is, is way better. I wish we would have had this one, but you don't really, because the other Star Lord makes a lot more sense in the universe that we know and love, um, mm-hmm. and that Black Panther makes a lot more sense in that universe too. Uh, we we need that version of Black Panther and that version of Star Lord. 
So on Nowhere, Thanos and Korath create a distraction. Oh, I should have said Captain Genocide and Korath create a distraction <laughs> to draw away the Black Order, who ser- who now serve as the Collector's security, while Nebula and Yandu sneak T'Challa into the Collector's massive warehouse. While Nebula and Yandu talk to the Collector about a fake deal, T'Challa breaks out Howard the Duck, who helps him navigate the storage facility to find the embers. Seth Green coming in for that, too. The team-up we've been waiting for. Is right? Seth Green Howard the Duck in... Yes, in Guardians. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he, he has almost no dialogue. Yeah, I think he's had two dialogue? lines. I feel, oh, feel like end, I, yeah. I feel like I must have known that at some point. Yeah, he, he, um, he had the line in the post credit scene in, in the first Guardians, and then he had, like, one line in Volume 2. That's cool. In the movie proper. I mean, I guess when I think about it, it does sound like he's a robot chicken character, so... <laughs> and when you think about it, Howard the Duck kind of is a robot chicken character. He's an organic duck, but, but I mean, like, the, um, the tone of, of the Howard the Duck comics is very much a kind of a parody of yes. the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. I miss that show. I specifically miss the small skit with the gummy bear skipping through the forest yeah, and then landing on the bear trap and screaming. That's really dark. As the Black Order realizes the Ravagers are involved, they shut down nowhere, and T'Challa's Wakandan necklace activates near a spacecraft from his homeland stored in the vault. That's when we get that cool music. An automated message activates, indicating... T'Chaka created a space program for the purpose of looking for T'Challa in space, and he realizes Wakanda wasn't destroyed. Can I say something here I didn't put in the notes? Because maybe I missed something. Why does this imply that Wakanda wasn't destroyed? Couldn't Yondu have gone to check on it after they created this space program? Yep. That's possible, yeah. The first time I watched, I just accepted that. And the second time I watched, I had the same thought you had and started actually paying attention to, wait, where does it become obvious? Where do they actually explain that? And they don't. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's unreasonable for, right. I don't think it's unreasonable for T'Challa to have jumped to that conclusion, but I don't think we as the audience are ever shown explicitly that, yeah, that's what happened. The only thing that made sense to me, and it's not even like a, it's not even a great Mm -hmm. line of logic is that. When we see his dad in the um, flashback sequence at the beginning, he looks a lot younger. When we see him on the ship, mm-hmm. he's like an old man with receding hairline and a, go- mm-hmm. a white goatee. Like, in and, fact, okay, he wouldn't have aged that far. Maybe Yondu lied to me. That's the only thing I could think of. Mm-hmm. In fact, now that you say that, retracing how I felt the first episode, the first time I watched, I now realize thinking about it the first time I watched my thought was, oh, it's so sad. They were looking for him all the way up until they were destroyed. That was my reaction. Mm. But then later when he's mad, I thought, oh, I just missed something. So the second time I was watching, I was watching for the thing I missed. And there was not a thing I missed. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy. because No, you're not. I, I, all right. Just a maybe not the most solid uh, writing there, but it ends up working out. Uh, I mean, you only have 30 minutes. So they right. got to, much like you talked about last week, um the, there's you have to do a lot of streamlining and that was actually a problem that exists even in the what if comics because generally they would end up compressing like three or four different storylines into a single issue for a what if whatever what if they were doing what if the fantastic four were the marvel bullpen that's a real one it was like stanley and jack kirby became the fantastic four instead of the 
what if is a weird comic man <laughs> yeah um oh hi i was gonna say before we moved on from the uh, spaceship i really liked t'chaka's line t'challa if you're out there you're one bright burning light in the night sky of billions and we're sad again yeah Yeah. um bringing you back down listeners (laughs) before we move on i actually want to real briefly i'm not going to go too into detail on this because i'm not super familiar but the most recent black panther storyline in the comics that just ended it's been going on for a little while was called the intergalactic empire of wakanda uh so this feels like it might potentially be a nod to that where uh, the, the story starts off where T'Challa wakes up and he's on this spaceship that's being run by Njadaka. Not Killmonger, but he's named after this Killmonger. And it turns out that Wakanda many years ago, or it might be in the future, I don't know, sent you know, emissaries to space. They got stuck, like sent back in time, and then they built up their own Wakandan empire in space. And there's like this whole thing that goes along with it. But this feels like that might have been a little bit of a nod to that storyline that was, like I said, it just ended in the comics like last month. So I just funny. wanted to, to bring that up. While T'Challa is coping with this new knowledge, Nebula double crosses him, saying her deal with the Collector was to turn over Star-Lord. While the Ravagers sit in a cell, T'Challa shouts at Yondu over lying to him about Wakanda. Wakanda, blah, blah, blah. Yondu admits he didn't want T'Challa to go home, because they're family. Aw. Uh, but T'Challa insists they are not family. Aw. T'Challa <laughs> is brought to the Collector, who intends to use Star-Lord as a decoration, but finds him boring and instead orders Ebony Maw to dissect him. I feel like I should say the Ebony Maw, like the Ohio State, the Ebony Maw. The Nebula Hole. I know that that's, <laughs> that, that, was, that was partially a joke, but I just remembered that when... Um, Thanos in Endgame or Infinity Door, whichever one it is, refers to Ebony Maw. He says the Maw. So I wonder if the should be part of his name. Anyways, Nebula breaks the Ravagers out of their cell, revealing that this was a triple cross. And man, Korak just geeks out over that too. T'Challa was in on it the whole time, didn't tell the Ravagers because they would not have allowed him to become knowingly captured. I liked, um, I, I didn't write down what the line was, but when uh he's yelling at nebula he says you are the worst and then yeah she like turns around and shoots um uh whoever that's uh, perfect, perfect, slave. perfect slave yeah uh and he says of course there are many sides to yeah there are two sides so, to every story yeah <laughs> that was funny that was that, that was a funny one i did like that line yeah that wasn't mm-hmm. that, that was, was not fangirl. you <laughs> exactly. are just the worst yeah <laughs> Star-Lord breaks out and tries to escape the vault. Really cool move, gripping the, uh, mm-hmm. the necklace in his hand and punching through the glass, but runs into the collector who has collected... That was personal. an Easter egg referencing Wolverine. Uh. <laughs> Listeners, I am shocked and awed. <laughs> um, he runs into the collector who has collected an arsenal of famous MCU weapons. We've talked about this. We, we We've already went down the list there were a bunch of things i didn't recognize in there too who hung up mjolnir for him because he's not worthy yeah how is he gonna get that off of the hanging the armband is worthy ah uh, maybe maybe elevator's Korea. not worthy <laughs> notably tavon puts on helia's helmet you made me say helia <laughs> <laughs> oh that was devious oh. 
Ella's helmet and attacks T'Challa with her endless supply of spikes. Necro Meanwhile, swords. the Ravagers attempt to escape the Black mm -hmm. Order, and Thanos takes them all on himself to allow the others to escape. Hey, well, yeah, he said that. Them. I'll do it uh, myself. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then I he, thought that he was called a cool himself line. mad. So I love that line. I knew it was coming when he started to say it. I was watching with my uh, wife, um, and he he uh, you know turns around and goes, uh, "What does she say? You're 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 crazy, right? You're or, crazy, yeah. not crazy." And he turns around and there's like this beat, and I turn around and goes, "He's gonna say mad, uh -huh. mad." I, I I like that. And like the way he says it is great because Josh Brolin through the episode has mostly done a little bit of a lighter version of mm -hmm. his Thanos voice. But then when he says mad, he is full Infinity War Thanos. Mm -hmm. I also, I really like when the MCU, I think it's really how only happens in the Disney Plus shows, when the MCU goes ahead and references the Mad Titan moniker. I like mm -hmm. when uh, classic Loki said it. I like it here. It makes me Yeah. Happy. Yeah. Cool callbacks. Proxima Midnight. Proxima. What is wrong with me right now? Proxima, <laughs> Proxima Midnight. Proxima is for skincare. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Call of City are able to beat Thanos, but Nebula turns back to rescue her father, using the embers to grow a tree. A ooh, I almost swore. That's okay. I'm allowed to do that. I'm very sore. Yeah, throw yeah. a freaking tree inside of Call of City, and like that episode of Rugrats. Which I was going to say yes, watermelon seed, <laughs> and turns nowhere very rapidly into a lush forest while the Ravagers escape. Danny, this um. This script tells me that you are about to lament. Oh, I would like you to lament <laughs> about how violent the show is. Please lament at me. Um, real quick before I jump into that, I, I thought something was interesting. I watched with subtitles and they called Cold Obsidian Black Dwarf. Yeah. Uh, oh, interesting. Interesting. That was, that's his name in the comics. They changed it to Cold Obsidian for the movie. Yeah. That yeah. is interesting. Uh, but they so don't say that at all. It's you, just purely in the subtitles. I'll tell you, they don't, I wrote it in the notes. I wrote Black that Dwarf. In the movie either, right? No, they don't call yeah. me. The only one in... they even name in the movies are is Ebony Ma, and they just call him the Ma. That's the only one whose name is they ever said. They don't ever say Proxima? Okay. I don't I think, think so. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So I will tell you in the notes I originally wrote Black Dwarf. I'm like, no, no, wait, it's Cull Obsidian. Well, one of no, the I'm other... Foolish. you know, I think we established last time that there's... Uh, more than one change in each thing, and one of the other what ifs is what if he was Black Dwarf, <laughs> not Colton. Um, anyway, let me lament. Um, Please. So I, I don't actually have any problems with this, um, but I'll play into it if you want. Uh, so this is this shows TV fourteen, which is fine. There's there's violence in it. It's a superhero thing, of course. There's going to be violence. Um. And there's no blood, which, okay, cool. It's an animated series on Disney Plus. Sure, let's not show blood. They blew this man's head up with a tree. <laughs> you could see his head just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was, oh my God. <laughs> like, this, uh, the, she, she puts the little, the uh, few little, um, embers of Genesis go into his mouth. He says, and then his head explodes, rips mm -hmm. in half as he becomes a beanstalk. Oh my <laughs> God. Uh, having our children watch this. That's what's wrong with this country. Uh, I'm Let me wailing you, and gnashing of my teeth. That was a five star <laughs> lament. Thank you. Well, let me ask you what, what's the more violent 
MCU death. Uh, Call Obsidian slash Black Dwarf having a tree grow in his head. Uh, a tree grows in Black Dwarf. Or um, um, Yellow Jacket turning the guy into goo and flushing him down the toilet. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Oh, yeah. Um, that's <laughs> And I think that one stands out as especially dark because it's an Ant-Man, which is an otherwise light and funny movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know that at least one of us has seen The Suicide Squad. Um, nothing compares oh. to that. <laughs> so, nothing compares. Tangenti- tangentially related through James yeah. Gunn. Ah, so it is. Oh. Um, I might be seeing it this weekend. So good, you better. Yeah, yeah. So this, uh, I know we got um, zombies coming up at some point. Mm, so yeah. let's see how far they go with that stuff. Um, yeah, not the right universe, but I will advocate for everybody to go see the Suicide Squad. It was very good. Very good. I think we only have two episodes of this so far. So of the two, this one was definitely like more graphically violent, even though it wasn't really that violent, except for the head exploding with the tree. Yeah. Another thing that stuck out, uh, collector through the necro sword and it pierces uh, T'Challa in the shoulder and pins him and like obviously bloodless. Um, yeah, yeah, that that I, like, was I thought just, it like it got distracting his, to me. Yeah, I thought it like just got his jacket, and then I was like, "No, like, that's Sephiroth actually pretty Mario. low." Yeah, <laughs> by the overalls. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. I mean, I understand. You know, uh, it, it's a cartoon on Disney Plus. Like, you don't need to animate the blood, but it that that kind of like you're you're doing the violence regardless of if there's blood or not. You know. Right. I, I'm not necessarily saying they should be putting blood everywhere, but it's just kind of weird. Well, and we talked about this last episode where it, it feels like it couldn't, and, and I feel like that this less with this episode, but with the first episode, it felt like, is this a children's cartoon or not? Because, yes, there was no blood, but the violence is still very much like, they're still, they're still shooting people with guns, mm-hmm. and I don't disagree with Peach on this episode being more um, graphically violent. But at the same time, it's also kind of more ridiculously violent. It's magic weapons and trees in people's heads. And um, whereas episode one just had straight up guns, like a realistic violence that we can relate to in, you know, not space. Um, We're in space. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's very interesting. I, I They're going to go ahead and have violence in this episode, in these shows which it's not that i'm complaining it just feels a little bit surprising i don't don't know i don't know what the right emotion is but yeah the other thing that stood out to me violence wise in this one was when um when nebula shoots corvus glaive there is like a uh, a hole in his chest from the oh is there laser gun Mm -hmm. oh i didn't notice that and that stood out to me because um i think because we are human, most other humans associate blood with red. So if you were to see, you know, when T'Challa's uh, shoulder gets pierced by the Hela sword, uh, if we saw red there, we would go, ew, blood. But if it's an alien, who cares, right? Oh, green blood? It's, it's foreign to me. Who cares? That's a messed up concept that I could get into for a long time. But I thought it was interesting that, like, 
no bullet sh- bullet wounds in the first episode at all. The one bullet wound we've seen is in Corvus Glaive's chest. It's just strange to me. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to lament, though. That was Danny's thing. The part that stood out to me as violent was the part where um, Thanos smashed Ebony Ma's head in the car door. <laughs> I think you're well, thinking of a, a different... Uh, <laughs> A different bald Marvel villain. That is true. Yondu with the Guardians theme dramatically playing. It's really cool. Arrives to rescue T'Challa. Although they are initially no match for the Collector, they work together to steal the gauntlet in a move they call Sticky Fingers. Uh, I like that they have moves, too. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. Cool and cool. T'Challa telling him, who's going to be the glue? You are, because you lied to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, steal the gauntlet he uses for controlling his weapons, hands it to Karina, his slave and she decides that uh, that's a perfect opportunity for everybody in the collector's collection to gang up on him now robbie you've got a lot to talk about with the voice acting in this one we're going to mm-hmm. bring up voice acting again mm-hmm. um i think this was probably a good spot for you to put it because mm-hmm. i agree when in this moment when benicio del toro is is speaking as the collector in the in his little cage it felt weird right yeah so okay Got a few points to make, and I was going to put this wherever in the notes. It seemed like there was a good space for us to pause. Uh, But also, this is the perfect spot, because this is the moment I was like, who is this? Who's doing this voice? Because this whole episode, I'm listening to these voice actors, and there's there's a couple that are standing out to me. I knew knew that was Chadwick Boseman. I think if I didn't know Chadwick Boseman on this episode, I might have thought, is that Chadwick Boseman or just someone doing a really good Chadwick Boseman? Kind of like I think the voice actor for Steve Rogers did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the collector, I just kept thinking, this is weird. This person is not sounding like Benicio del Toro. They're just doing a completely original take on the collector that doesn't sound like Benicio del Toro, but also kind of trying to be Benicio del Toro. And I just keep listening to it. I'm like, this is this is really weird. And then towards the end, I start thinking, I know this voice actor, though. I know the person doing this voice. And so before the episode's over, I actually brought it up. And I Googled who voiced the collector in What If? And I get these results for Benicio Del Toro. I'm like, no, hold on. Not who played the collector. And I found a website <laughs> saying that. I'm like, come on, guys. No, no, no. You can't just write an article <laughs> saying he's going to be the collector because he played him in the movies. Obviously, he's not the collector on the mm-hmm. cartoon. <laughs> and so so that's that's the level of how weird this voice acting was to me. I, um, I spent half the episode thinking it was Jaime Camille. Who is who? that? Don Carnage on DuckTales. That's it. That's what I thought it was. That's mm. it. So in my uh, Who is great. I love yes. him. He's great in Jane the Virgin. He's great in DuckTales. Uh, like he, he's really funny and he's good at voice acting. But half the time I'm like, that's Benicio Del Toro. And then the other half I'm like, no, that's Jaime Camille. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Because I thought this sounds familiar, but I can't place mm-hmm. it. And so I, was I had a feeling do, that's what you thought it was too. I was going to do a search <laughs> for cartoon characters that because it's one of those things where I, I could hear certain words and think, and I'm trying to associate what character from what other thing said those words. Absolutely cor- correct. It was Don Carnage. Um, so, geez, Jesus, Sound Lord, good catch. Um, I got you. Jesus, Sound Lord. <laughs> so that's what I thought. Um, turns out it was Benicio Del Toro. So from that point, I'm like, okay, I have to see the voice acting cast in this. Um, granted, right before that was also the moment that I 100% recognized Kurt Russell. And I thought that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I have thoughts on that as well. 
And so I paused. I paused at the credits. I'm like, okay, let's see. And it was just the most surreal experience to just go down one name at a time and going, what? What? <laughs> like they they actually got these people, but so many of them didn't sound like them because, okay, so I'll just kind of go one character at a time. Like uh, We already talked about the collector. I don't know what Benicio Del Toro was doing, but okay. Um, I think he was playing DJ from uh, Star Wars. <laughs> I Yes. Um, I think it was playing Don Carnage. Yeah. Um, then we have Nebula and did not sound like Karen Gillan. No, never occurred to me it was Karen Gillan. Now, it makes sense for Nebula to sound different. Like, that's that's fine. Um, and I'm not even necessarily going to say it was bad voice acting. It's just, it never struck me as that's Karen Gillan. Um, Kraglin didn't sound like Kraglin to me. It, yeah, I thought he sounded a little bit weird. Yeah, uh, and Sean Gunn doesn't sound like, wow, they couldn't get Sean Gunn. Like, that's not my thought. I just like, wow, they didn't bother to get Sean Gunn. Okay, what's going on here? I, there's a few points where he just doesn't sound like Kraglin. Uh, Yondu wasn't bad. Oh, ooh, and okay. I, someone's going to interrupt me on this and that's fine. I Yondu wasn't bad. Yondu wasn't bad, but it did not sound like Michael Rooker to me. So I was surprised by that. However, I think there's a reason for that. So when I was rewatching the episode earlier, um, the beginning of the episode, uh, Yondu says something along the lines of, oh, you know, if it were like the old days, we'd sell this to the highest bidder. And T'Challa says, if this were like the old days, you'd only have half your teeth. And I realized in that moment, and I think this might even explain Craglin too, that because <gasps> Craglin has that line. Yeah, Cra- you're probably right. Craglin has a line about the collector doesn't have dental. <laughs> so they wear fake teeth in those movies. And I mm-hmm. think that affects their voices some. Yep. When you put fake stuff in your mouth, you're going to sound a little yes. bit different. And, mm. and they're not going to. They're not going to sit in the recording booth and be like, hang on, I need my teeth. Right. (laughs) You're going to get as close as you can to that. As soon as you said that, I started picturing Yondu in the movies and realized that that is what Yondu sounds like. Yondu sounds like someone has fake teeth in his mouth. Like, that's Mm -hmm. exactly what he sounds like. So I think you're correct on that one. Um, So good catch. Uh, We've already talked about Chadwick Boseman. I recognized him immediately. Made me more emo. Uh, The one that I think was the best, though, was Josh Brolin. Mm Mm-hmm. And that one also had a funny moment because I was only, I was looking away from the screen when Thanos showed up and I, in the back of my mind, I hear Korath talking a story about Thanos. And I just think, I'm not even really thinking about it. Then I heard the voice and my brain just registered that Thanos is on screen. And I look and I didn't even think of it. It's just like, oh, it's Thanos. And then it's like, wait, it's Thanos. (laughs) (laughs) So the, I heard the voice first and recognized so-and-so right. Because it's Josh Brolin. Um, and I have a thought on that. Uh, so I, I think Josh Brolin was fantastic. I think mm-hmm. he was even more even more than Chadwick Boseman, which is saying a lot, got his character correct in this from a voice acting standpoint. It sounded like listening to Thanos. Uh, there were some different inflections that I think Soundlord already talked about, but it still felt like listening to Thanos. And I have, have a thought on that. So sound, Lady Sound last week made a extremely salient point um, as she was defending, rightfully defending the craft of voice acting, which is voice acting is not acting. Everyone we just meant, mentioned is at the very least a good actor, at the very least good at playing their character. Some of these actors we've mentioned are great actors. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're great voice actors. And I feel we said that last episode and I feel that again. I don't think the voice acting ruined this episode, but I do think there were problems with it. I do think that these people who are great on screen 
were not necessarily great in a sound booth. But Josh Brolin's character in the movies is largely voice acting. He is playing Thanos on screen, but Thanos is largely a CG character. Thanos is not Josh Brolin being Josh Brolin. Thanos is Josh Brolin doing a voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to discount Josh Brolin is maybe a good voice actor. Uh, maybe that is a skill that he has, but I also just think the character he was playing in this was much, he was doing what he already does on screen more than the other ones do. Well, if you think about it, because he was on set when they filmed those movies, but he's in the motion capture suit, he's got the thing up here, so he is having, you know, you you don't quite get the chance to physically create the character, so he had to do a lot more, I mean, the facial expressions, I think a lot of them were based on what he did on set, but... Mm -hmm. To create that character, he mostly had to rely on his voice because mm-hmm. most of the character creation came later. Mm-hmm. You can be a good actor without being a good voice actor, mm-hmm. but you can't be a good voice actor without being a good actor. Yeah, that's something that. that a lot of them will talk. A lot, of, a lot of the pros will talk about that, and and I think that Josh Brolin has that skill, and I think that was put to good use in Thanos in the films, and I think that's. I think you're absolutely right that that's probably why it was. Uh, simpler transition for him does josh brolin does anyone know off the top of their head if josh brolin has much voice acting experience um i guess it just off the top of my head i don't know any he did the voice for uh the character he also acted as in the goonies in what that was a really that was a really stupid joke he no, he was the joke. brother. He was the older brother in the Goonies. So yeah. I'm going to um, tell you how stupid I am. My brain immediately went to the Goonies 2 NES video game. I'm like, why did you do voice, like voice acting in that? It? Hold on, Peach. Is there's it? no voice <laughs> acting. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to BehindTheVoiceActors.com, Josh Brolin has five voice role uh, credits. That's not enough. Um, Marvel's What If as Thanos, Avengers Endgame as Thanos, Avengers Infinity War as Thanos, Avengers Age of Ultron as Thanos, and Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy as Thanos. Okay, so he's been Thanos. Well, he's got that down. Yeah, well, um, he could do other voice acting, I think. If y'all want to make any more voice acting points, um, please do. But real quick, I also just wanted to get back to Kurt Russell, um, which I think Soundlord said it's amazing that they got Kurt Russell for this one line. And I'm really kind of wondering... Uh, well, you know what? No, I think that's better for a later spot. But I do think it's cool that they got Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if y'all have anything on on the voice I, acting. I I don't have anything different to say than last week because maybe I just don't. Maybe I am a pleb and I just I can't tell the fine difference between a great voice actor in this sense and a not great one. I I I think there were some spots where. Yeah, that line maybe sounded a little weird, but I I hear the voice I expect when I see these characters speak. Interesting. And I think maybe that's why it doesn't bother me if they aren't as good at it. Maybe that's why I'm not hearing the uh the the discrepancy or whatever it might be because I am you know when I see Nebula in this animation, I am expecting a voice that at least mostly sounds like Karen Gillan. And I, and I think that all of them to me, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just remembering their voices poorly, but none of them really feel bad to me. Karen Gillan is actually the one that stands out just because she sound to me. It, it felt weird that she was still kind of talking with that. Like, yes, uh, I agree that inflection of like being hurt a lot in the past. 
when she was not mostly cybernetic in this story. Not that she couldn't have been hurt in other ways in the past, but you know what I'm saying? Like her traumatized voice from the universe that we know makes sense in that universe. It doesn't make as much sense to me when she is um, not cybernetic, but it did. It wasn't a bad thing to me. So I don't know. I don't have anything. I, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I also don't feel like I, I am the minority here because everybody else is like talking about how the voice acting could be better. And I'm over here like, seems great. <laughs> no, I, I thought as a whole, it was better this week. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. My issues with I had with the last episode, pacing, voice acting, I didn't have those really this time around. But again, I think we may have mentioned it, but the fact that this was a brand new story and not basically just retelling a two hour movie with some roles flipped around uh, helped out with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. All right. Let's get back into this. We, we got a, we got a, a finish line to cross here soon. Mm-hmm. Karina imprisons the collector and breaks out his captured subjects who surround Tavon for karmic retribution while T'Challa and Yandu and Cosmo, the space dog, little pu- pupper escape on the Wakandan ship. We got that pupper on the space road. Uh, <laughs> 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 that, is that jokes only for the people around you? Uh, uh, genocide, <laughs> whatever. Yandu apologizes to T'Challa. T'Challa, I cannot say names today. And they repair their relationship before returning to Wakanda for Star-Lord to reunite with his first family. The Ravagers and the Wakandan Royal Court gather for a banquet. Thanos, with his new dog at his side, tells Okoye how efficient his master plan for the universe was, even though she insists that it is still genocide. I love that Nebula was sitting at the table. She's like, oh, dad, I know. talking about I, genocide again. I like that moment, too. And like, it's like it's a dad joke, but he's literally <laughs> talking about murdering people. Uh-huh. Decimating uh, half the universe. Five <laughs> percent, baby. Korath tells Shuri he and T'Challa are best friends. Love it. Uh, Craglin <laughs> explains how fun jump points are. That one took me a minute to remember, like why he would be talking about jump points, and then I remembered. Oh yeah, there's that really psychedelic scene from Guardians Two. Sweet, mm-hmm. we like it. Um, and yeah, there's a lot going on at this banquet. Chris, you have a note in here that this was a very fun what if story, and this is how the what if stories should be elaborate please well what i what i really enjoyed about this particular what if i i I have always been a big fan of alternate universe storylines where you tweak one thing and everything changes and as much as i did enjoy last week i i what i really like is when you take one simple change and it changes everything like last week was Captain America with some different story beats and some characters moved around, but it was still recognizably structurally Captain America, the first Avenger with a little bit of the Avengers thrown at the end. This one, it was not guardians of the galaxy. It was not black Panther. It was its own thing like David S pumpkins. And I, I thought it was really fun. I, uh, I, I enjoyed the you know the the changes to Thanos were some of the some of the just wild stuff that you can only do in these alternate universe stories. The fact that we got a scene at the end of this where Thanos and Taserface are welcomed into the Wakandan throne room together as invited guests, 
is just it's crazy and i i love stuff like that um i do have a couple questions though uh first of all uh one minor change did you notice the name of uh star lord's ship in this yes yeah um so peter quill named it after his childhood crush the milano uh t'challa star lord's ship is called the mandela Oh, that's cool. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so probably named after uh, someone that he admired. Um, or is that's it a reference to us remembering things that... No, we're not. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, like, or is it about, you know, the Mandela effect and us remembering things differently? Oh, but, uh, but, you know, I think it was named after, you know, someone he admired and wanted to be like. Okay. I think as a young prince in Africa, you're probably going to look at Nelson Mandela as someone to look up to and to emulate. Uh, a question that was famously asked by uh, uh, the original Star Lord that I famously. have. Yeah, where's Gamora? Why is Gamora? Yeah, oh uh, yeah. Gamora? Where, who, and why is Gamora in all of this? That's 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 a question I have that's unanswered. And that if, is a if, good question. If I we ever about re- it, I just assumed she was going to show up at some point, and then she did not. If we ever revisit this universe in a future story, because I think they've talked about that they would like to revisit some of these universes down the line in future what ifs. Uh, I would. Lo- this is a universe I would love to come back to and, and mm-hmm. to see some more things. What happens with you know that little tease at the end? What happens? Um, you know, what's Thanos going to be like? Uh, how's that going to keep going? And. Uh, and and Gamora, uh, I think she's a big question mark. But but overall, just I I really enjoyed that they embraced like, hey, we can do whatever the hell we want with this story. So let's let's go for it. That that is what the fun of a what if story is to me. And I hope that we see more and more big swings like this uh, as as the series continues this season and next season. Yeah. I actually want to put a pin in that real quick so I can just quickly finish out this plot and we can come right back to it because I think this is a great uh, not commando-related segue. Um, So (laughs) let me power through to the end real quick. So we finish this banquet with T'Challa covering for Yondu, a very sweet gesture, um, explaining, telling his father that he was not abducted but rescued. Um, So not throwing his his pal under the bus. Good good guy, T'Challa. We knew that. Meanwhile, though, at another family reunion uh, at a Missouri Dairy Queen, Peter Quill mops the floor after hours, after hours. What? <laughs> Eduardo, you really you really like make this look easy, but it's it's not easy. Kudos uh, while listening to Flock of Seagulls. He is interrupted by his father, Ego, the living planet. And as we've discussed in this timeline with with Quill never being picked up by Yondu, Yondu he couldn't have joined the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. So. Ego is able to find him, and the Watcher says that that could spell the end of the world, but that's a story for another day. Uh, and before the credits start, we get that in-memoriam message uh, about Chadwick Boseman. Let's all be sad together. Just one, mm-hmm. one more time real quick. So, and then sad credits music as a result. <laughs> so let's put, let me, I, I put the pin in it, and I'm going to take the pin right back out. Uh, as far as with, with the ripple effects, we talked about this last week with, um, you know, Captain Carter. Um, this story seems like so much different happened that the ripples far extend uh, what they could have in last week. So what do you mm-hmm. guys think some of these ripple effects could be? Or what stories do you want to see based on the stuff you already saw? Like, I'm curious, because you mentioned Gamora, 
where the hell we think she is. Yeah. Because if, if Thanos was stopped in this plan long before he started it, maybe uh, Thanos never stole her. Maybe she has not existed to him. You know, maybe they're not affiliated in any way. That would probably suggest that Nebula is a lot, is significantly older than Gamora then, which I suppose is possible, but... And T'Challa as well. Slowly, yeah. Um, that's an interesting thought. Uh, I guess I'm really interested. One thing I want to say real quick is this segment of the show I think needs to continue. However, I think it is also very clear uh, that these are isolated episodes, so we should be talking Mm -hmm. about the ripple effects, but there is, I think the answer of what might we see in future episodes is none of what we're going to talk about. So (laughs) it's fine. Honestly, I think maybe I like that more. I think I kind of like the self-contained nature of this. Yeah. It allows more flexibility. This This is the freestyle jazz section. This Mm -hmm. episode episode. wouldn't necessarily work with the other episodes. So, um, so I get that. And they subtly confirmed, I mean, just by nature of captain America shield being in Tavon's collection, it's yeah, the Captain right. America you're shield. Right. So that's about that. just so a little right. subtle way that they're like, yeah, in a different different universe. Um, but what I'm very interested in is the rise of the Collector. He, so there's a joke that kind of goes around on Twitter and probably some other forms of social media um, about could Hela have taken out Thanos and it's just a, 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 a non-serious conversation to be had. Uh, maybe she could have, I don't know. Uh, but apparently she can't take out the Collector. <laughs> so... Um, he clearly ended up, I think, stronger than Thanos ever was, and yet also just gets kicked into a glass jar by um, Star-Lord. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'm starting to go down the rabbit hole that uh, Peaches went down, where, again, I don't think he's wrong. If you really think too hard about how did the Collector do this but not accomplish that, then it starts to be uh, logically inconsistent, but it's a cartoon um so i'm fine with that i'm just also very interested in those ripple effects of what did the collector exactly ruin like what is the state of asgard um mjolnir and uh hell yeah's helmet are in his in his collection um what he clearly i guess took out the avengers or maybe even never let the avengers become a thing in the first place um so what happened there uh, I think if he takes the power void left by Thanos, Thanos always had very powerful people working right. for him, which Thanos one-on-one against a collector. Mm-hmm. There's no contest. Thanos is very powerful. Thanos beat the Hulk without mm-hmm. using any of the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, so we know that Thanos is just brutally powerful, but also calculating and mm-hmm. a brilliant tactician. Uh, I think what the collector has is he has a lot of power in the sense that he can get people to do things for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by nature of having this collection, I think he has access to a lot of weapons and a lot of uh, beings yeah. who can be used as weapons as well. And I think that's where his power comes from. I don't know if that he necessarily sense. is powerful. Now, now, of course, in the comics, and we don't know if this is how it is or not, but he's an elder of the universe, uh, along with mm-hmm. the Grandmaster and, and some other ancient characters like that uh so certainly the implication could be that he has some sort of natural power but like you said the fact that he's able to just sort of be knocked into that cage and the fact that he knows his karma contribution is coming when he's surrounded by all those that was a funny line (laughs) like i did laugh it's (laughs) yeah speaking of the grandmaster it seems like the collector got all over ragnarok 
mm-hmm. with uh, Korg's arm. You got Mjolnir. Uh, right. Apparently, Meek's sword, sword. I guess you saw mm-hmm. Hela's crown and necro sword. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Uh, Did so yeah, I want to see that from a dark elf too. Yeah, yeah. So yes. he's uh, all up in the Asgardian and yeah. Sakarian worlds, but doesn't have, from what we can tell, the Infinity Stones. Um, he certainly didn't have the power, power stone. stone. Yeah, I, I have a question. Go ahead. Um, this is this is sort of going down the lo- the road here a little bit, but if Hela's sword is the Necro Sword, or he calls it a Necro Sword, we know Gore the God Butcher is going to be in Love and Thunder, and he his weapon is uh, the neck all black the Necro Sword, oh. and I'm just curious like if there's a connection there, and uh, I, we talked about how we talked in one of the Spider Man episodes how the necro sword was actually the first symbiote uh which they will probably not be using or will they in the future we'll see but this uh, is our connection to the venom cinematic universe <laughs> well there the are VCU, rumors baby <laughs> vcu virginia commonwealth go rams <laughs> pan to the desert of tatooine the gloved hand of boba fett <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think I have any. Hmm. I don't think I really thought about about any ripple effects in this episode, just because there already were so many. It, like there were already so yeah. many demonstrated right. that yeah. my brain wasn't like, let's add six more. <laughs> yeah, know? a universe where the blip never happened is hard to fathom. Right. At that point. Yeah. Um, our boss Eduardo brought up the idea. <laughs> Not my boss. <laughs> I'm a freelancer. He brought up the concept that he thinks the final, he thinks the final scene was setting up um, future uh, episodes uh, and and basically the how do we stop ego in this timeline story. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's coming in this season because I went to IMDb and saw the episode list. Um, I'm looking forward to next. You week. don't think <laughs> or you don't know. God damn it, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> And also because, but also because I, I do think that everything's going to be self-contained. Now, Sound Lord brought up the idea that that could be done in a future season. And I think that makes plenty of sense. Yeah. And so I think this gives them two potentials. I, how I interpreted this episode, the end of this episode is that this was fun. This was nice. These people are family. Thanos is a good guy. Yondu is alive and, and is someone's daddy all, all along. And they're all fucked. So I, I think it was almost kind of, to me, it was almost kind of darkly comedic where this was a, a really nice little story. But because of this nice little story, Ego's going to wipe out all life. Um, and I just kind of found that. And, and yes, obviously, the Ravagers could do something about it. We could see them save the day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I just thought that was a very interesting ending. It does, though, leave the door open for or we can go back and see how that doesn't happen. Both are completely, to me, fine um, adventures. But I am interested in Kurt Russell because even if they don't necessarily go down the route that... We're all interested in Kurt Russell. He's a very <laughs> fascinating actor. Uh, he's Walt Kurt Disney's last words. Yes, uh, first role was Follow Me Boys, which is quietly one of my favorite movies that no one knows about. Um, Not so quiet anymore. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. We put it on blast. They need to put it on Disney+. Plus. Put Follow Me Boys on Disney+, Plus, you cowards. They're putting Pepper Ann on Disney+. Plus. Okay, she's a very own fan. Yeah. Um, she's like one in a million! So, but something I'm interested in is maybe Kurt Russell's here for one one line, 
Or it is entirely possible that we do get more ego, even if it is not connected to this episode. And that's something else I, I have just been thinking about sort of in a, a behind the scenes thing. Like maybe this, these characters are doing more in this season, even if it is not connected in a, in a even if they're all self-contained episodes. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we're going to see some of these characters multiple times, just in different universes. Mm-hmm. Surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop calling me Shirley. Okay. Let's rate this one, y'all. Um, Chris, what are you going to rate this episode of What If? I gave it 8.5 real smooth cha-chas out of 10. Cha-cha, real smooth. Every, everybody clap your hands. Uh, Robbie, how about you? Um, I gave it 8.5 efficiently random genocides out of 10. Peach? I'm mad at that. Okay. Uh, I, I gave it seven and a half classic Star Lords out of 10. I just couldn't get over those those things that bothered me. I thought the episode was good, but I, I keep thinking about those. Danny. And yet your rating came from one of those things you complained about. <laughs> hey. Hey, it was the first scene. It was okay. Oh, it's true. You liked the first yeah. scene. That's yeah. right. Come My on, bad. man. Be cool. Okay. Danny, take us home. Uh, well, it was smart to put me last because I did a very bad job of throwing it to Angela last time. Um, <laughs> my rating is eight and a half terribly chatty Cronins out of ten. I don't know if that was planned or if it just happened to work out that way, but I, I don't know. We, we, we learn sometimes and other times uh, things happen by accident. But that's that's going to do it for us this week on uh, Assembly Required. Hope y'all had a good time. We had a good time with this one. Again, thank you so much for listening. We we couldn't do this show without you listeners and our patrons. Patron Daniel, hello, talking to you. That's and all the other patrons. Patreon.com slash assembly required if you want to take that support to the next level. Uh, join us in the Discord. Join us for community nights. Again, just one more reminder. The, the coming community night is August 31st. That's a Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to play board games. Boardgamearena.com does not sponsor us should sponsor us just saying board game arena a uh, big shout out as always to our avenger level patrons brian and riley uh in the other universe big shout out to our 20 dollar tier patron <laughs> the patron bob, who, patron bob who was able to rename all of us for twenty dollars. <laughs> who the hell's patron bob <laughs> Listen to the last episode. You'll get okay. you'll get keyed in. If you want to email the show, you can do that at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you want to connect to us on Twitter, uh, you can find us at PhilKid3 for Robbie, GatorSax2010 for Chris, DLars93 for Danny. I'm at D underscore Peaches. We got Eduardo at ABCD Eduardo1. The Lady Sound for Angela. And AssemblyCast. Is, is that AssemblyCast on Twitter? I believe so. Oh, first try. Suck it, everyone. Not not literally. I'm sorry. I just got a little excited. Well, everybody, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's all she wrote. As always, we love you 3,000. Bye. Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Bubbly, bubbly. Captain Genocide.
somebody wants told me the world is gonna roll me i ain't the sharpest tool in the shed she was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb and the shape of an l on her forehead well the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming and they don't stop